It's that time again. Welcome to episode 86 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're not, then allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. Jam. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not give me a follow, especially over on Twitter? You can, of course, reach out to me there. You can DM me. You can tweet at me, whatever you've got. I would love to hear from you. And I'd love to get questions, comments, concerns, topics, whatever you've got regarding Overwatch, regarding the Overwatch League, regarding Overwatch 2, whatever you've got that you want to know, throw it to me over there. Like I say, DM me, tweet at me, whatever. I'd love to bring your questions and things to the show. But enough with all that. We've got a show to get to. So you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a review. Leave us a... Uh, wow, give us a review. Leave us a follow or, you know, leave us a follow. Give us a review. Whatever you want to do. Tell your friends all that jazz, of course. I also encourage you to check me out over on Ready, Set, Pwn, the premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, as well as everything Canadian Overwatch League. Now, this week, we are, of course, going to talk about some missed news that I actually breezed over last week somehow. I have no idea how I did it. Um, As well as a few more, uh, you know, I don't want to say smaller scale, but a smaller scale changes on the Boston side of things. Um, A little bit more news about the way uh, Overwatch will be changing as we head into Overwatch 2. And, of course, uh, we'll break the news, uh, the sad news that a recent rumor has, of course, been debunked. But, of course, that's not the biggest thing we're going to talk about this week because the Overwatch League is finally coming to Canada. So we will preview the Summer Showdown Tournament. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Engaging festive mode. All right. Well, our first uh, story that we're going to talk about this week, of course, is, as I mentioned, that missed news from last week. So I didn't actually pull up a story or an article for this um, because really I just wanted to talk about it. uh, As I mentioned, I did miss this last week. And how I missed this last week, you might seriously ask yourself some questions because... As you know, uh, over on One Man Watchpoint, as well as, of course, on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where you can also find me every Wednesday. Um, we are, of course, Vancouver Titans fans, as well as Toronto Defined fans. We are all can, all things Canadian fans, as well as a few other uh, Overwatch League teams here and there. But, obviously, being Vancouver Titans fans, you would think we would remember to cover the most important, groundbreaking, earth-shaking uh, news of the week. However, we did not. So, of course, first things first, the Vancouver Titans part ways with GM Justin Hughes. Now, this is, of course, important for two main reasons, uh, one of which I'll discuss in a minute here. But, of course, the first reason being Justin was sort of the last remaining piece of the, uh, if you want to call it, the previous regime. Um, of course, the the management that was coaches Pew and Flubby were, of course, brought in as well with Justin. Um And now that Justin's gone, it's sort of the last remnants of that overarching uh, kind of organization that came in after the uh, the reckoning, as they call it, when uh, the former runaway crew uh, all, you know, went spread to the wind and everything. So Justin, of course, he released a statement. I believe the team released a statement, you know, thanking each other, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Justin said he stepped down as he was presented another opportunity. Who knows uh, what that actually looks like? Obviously, there hasn't been an announcement on his side of things uh, within the league. He did not say if he was staying within the league or esports or anything like that in general. Um, So a little bit surprising there, uh, just given it seemed like Justin was maybe kind of um, 
kind of safe. You know, I, I did wonder how much of a hand in things he had when it came to uh, the Depay signing, uh, when it came to bringing in other players. But, of course, you have to assume the organization is obviously looking to make some changes now. I do, I do question how long Justin has known this was coming um, or how long it's been in the works sort of thing. Uh, so anyways, hopefully, uh, hopefully things go well for Justin. All the best to him. Now, the other reason this is important is, of course, because Justin was kind enough to come on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast with myself, Chris, and Alex uh, a few months ago now. I, th- I think it was actually just before the start of the season, um, so like May or so. Um, so definitely go check out that episode of Ready, Set, Pwn if you want to hear, hear from Justin himself. Uh, one thing that's kind of really been coming to light lately is that a lot of the GMs in the league are very sort of silent actors. You know, they really do remain behind the scenes. They aren't public-facing uh, a lot of the time. They don't want to be public facing and they just aren't going to be those characters. You know, you do hear from some coaches. Uh, obviously, you see the players and everything like that. But I find that once you reach that GM level, those characters are frequently a lot more behind the scenes and a lot quieter. Um, of course, we saw some recent changes with the Boston Uprising as well. Um and them especially having one of the more notable um, and outspoken uh, former GMs in uh, Pre, right? And Pre is now gone, uh, so is Justin, so, you know, who knows? Who knows what else could be happening? But that also segues very nicely into our next uh, missed news section, which is, of course, the Boston Uprising parting ways with Baroy. Now, Baroy, sorry, was in the assistant coaching uh, position with the Boston Uprising. He's been there for a little bit now. I believe he was signed... Not the start of this season, maybe the one prior, or was he with Toronto back then? Anyways, I digress. He's been with Boston for the last little while. However, I did kind of wonder if he was doing that remotely. It seemed like he was spending a lot of time with his new wife, Lena, who, of course, uh, works for the Vancouver Titans organization, and now you're starting to see the pieces fall into place. Um, I also heard that he was actually working part-time as an assistant coach with the Boston Uprising, so who knows what other things he had cooking, um, and how much of an impact he really was having with the Boston Uprising organization. Now, all of that said, that leads into our final section to this story, which is, of course, the Vancouver Titans bring on Baroy as their general manager. So, there you go, it all comes full circle. Justin leaves, Baroy leaves, and Baroy joins the Vancouver Titans as the general manager. So, a new entire sort of regime over at the Vancouver Titans camp. Um, obviously, the, the team is still the team that was built at the start of the season under coach Flubby Pugh and Justin. Um, but we've already seen some impact that Depay has had, uh, not only in terms of their performance, but in terms of the staff as well. Um, you know, we saw Mirror join shortly after Depay. Um, might have even been shortly before, I can't quite recall. But then after that, of course, we saw Shockwave released. Um, I believe we also saw Psycho released. So definitely some changes going on, and definitely Vancouver, um, you know, making moves and making making waves. I think uh, it certainly seems like the days of Vancouver kind of being that that third-rate team, the team that had a reputation for the, because of the reckoning and everything that happened with the Runaway Org, um, kind of seems like they're shedding that persona which is great to see i'm really excited to see what this can bring do i do i think that we see any of these players that are on the current roster return next season uh that's very hard to say i think there's a you know one notable character on the team that we could see obviously aspire um he's demonstrated his his carry potential and things like that um i could see him returning i could see him uh at least at the very least remaining in the league maybe joining another team um 
but ultimately I think outside of him it's hard to say if anyone is truly safe I don't think anyone performs quite on the level that Aspire does um, but obviously you've also got a new signing uh, also likely brought in with uh, with the D-Pay move uh, with King right a new up-and-comer kind of stepping into the league making a pretty significant impact with the Vancouver Titans and definitely interesting or interested to see where he winds up after this season is all said and done. All right, so now that we're moved past the missed news, of course, I'd like to head on over to DottieSports.com, where we will talk about our actual latest news story for this past week in the Overwatch League. So first things first, we're going to read an article by Jessica Sharnagel, which reads Boston Uprising parts ways with head coach Laurie ahead of Summer Showdown main event. The Boston Uprising has parted ways with head coach Laurie after a particularly trying period in the Overwatch League team's season. This news comes just after assistant coach Baroy left the team last week. The uprising is now left with just one coach, Askoft, who until now served as the assistant coach. Upon Laurie's departure, Askoft will take over the position of head coach for the remainder of the 2022 season. It is unclear if the uprising will look for another coach to help with the rest of the season. Laurie has served under the on the uprising coaching staff since the beginning of the season, and he was signed during the 2021-2022 offseason. The uprising was his first Overwatch League team. He started his coaching career in 2018 with Mono Frog and worked with a few teams before making it up to the Overwatch League. He coached for South Korean team World Game Star Phoenix and Eternal Academy prior to signing with the Uprising. The 2022 season for the Uprising hasn't been promising. At the time of writing, this team is in 10th place in the West region and is not likely to make the Summer Showdown main event with a 1-4 record so far in the tournament. Their map differential puts them in 12th place out of 13th for the qualifiers in the Summer Showdown. This staff adjustment also comes at a time when the league is bleeding players and coaches due to a lack of trust in the Overwatch League. There has been no word from the team on whether it will search for another coach to help with the rest of the season so there you go that uh that little article obviously brings the boston uprising back into the fray again um seems like every week lately we've had a a a lot of talk around the uprising uh particularly with their coaching staff obviously as i mentioned uh with the missed news but also with uh you know pre and things like that being being removed from the team um the uprising seems to be a team in flux that's for certain and obviously not the only team uh we've also heard from you know from gg recon uh i believe it was yiska that posted an article uh, towards the beginning of August around the Washington Justice working to sell off a number of their players and things like that. Uh, rumors that, uh, for all intents and purposes, definitely seem to have been true at this point um, with players like Happy uh, uh, being moved to the um, Los Angeles Gladiators um, as well as a few other moves out there. Um, uh, main Tank Mag moving to the Boston Uprising, actually. So definitely a little bit of a rocky time for for a number of organizations in the league. Um, and and this one, you know, just coming as another blow to the Boston Uprising. Now, all of that said, the Boston Uprising did, of course, have some, uh, some interesting turnouts this past weekend uh, where they saw, you know, a little bit of success, uh, much, to, much to most people's surprise, I would argue. Um, but nevertheless, um, an impressive turnaround for them. But we'll get to that in a little bit, so... Anyways, all the best to Laurie. Hopefully he can land somewhere if he so chooses, uh, whether that be next season or uh, for the rest of this season, although I don't think he can be signed. I'm not sure if the rules uh, in terms of player movement apply to staff as well. I would imagine they do. But all in all, uh, all the best to Laurie. And hopefully the Boston Uprising can manage to turn things around for the final tournament cycle 
um, as the summer showdown kind of wraps up and we go into the countdown cup qualifiers but let's not get ahead of ourselves yet and of course with that we're going to move on over to our next news story this time over on dexerto with an article by michael william posted on august 31st which reads overwatch announces final competitive season and sells last loot box ahead of overwatch 2 on october 4th overwatch will finally transform into the free to play overwatch 2 giving players a whole new wave of gameplay opportunities from 5v5 new heroes maps reworks and more however before the sequel finally launches, Blizzard is wrapping up the original's lifespan by giving players one final ranked season. So if you've never hit top 500 before or want to hit a new SR milestone, this is your last chance. Starting next week, it's going to, to be officially the beginning of the end for Overwatch. In response to an inquiry about the next competitive season on the Blizzard Forums, community manager Craig revealed that the upcoming one would be the last. Quote, there will be one more season starting next Thursday at 11 a.m. PDT. We'll have more details when the season begins, he said. It's unclear if this season will be the same as all of the other seasons or if there will be some special twists to make it stand out from the others. Some players have theorized that the long-awaited experimental patch that brought some of the Overwatch 2 changes to the first game would be finally going live after it was pulled the last time it was released. Overwatch 2's ranked system will be a bit different from the original games, featuring new sub-tiers and an after-action report to give players more ways to improve. Final Overwatch loot box sold. Elsewhere, Blizzard has also sold its last-ever Overwatch loot box with players no longer able to purchase them following the conclusion of Anniversary Remix Volume 3. Players can, however, still earn loot boxes for leveling up. Any unopened ones will be automatically opened on September 15th. After that, with the release of Overwatch 2, all unopened loot boxes will be automatically opened once again upon entering the Hero Gallery. The removal of loot boxes comes as Blizzard prepares to launch a battle pass with the second game in addition to a special in-game store to give users the chance to buy their favorite cosmetic items. We'll have to see what else Blizzard has in store as Overwatch transitions to its sequel form in the weeks ahead. So there you have it. Um, you know, nothing too shocking there, obviously. But exciting to have the confirmation on a few of those things nonetheless. Obviously, the one being that there will be one more final season of competitive in Overwatch. Um, you know, I myself, I haven't been playing Overwatch too frequently. Uh, I did actually kind of get back into it during the... Uh, the the what the heck was it called the the anniversary remix uh volume three event um so maybe i will dive back in and just uh you know complete my placement matches at the least uh for that final season uh just because you know memories hashtag thanks for the memories and everything like that um i would like to get in there and get a little bit of the game in uh on 6v6 just because of course we know 6v6 will be going away um and the game will be changing pretty drastically after that um it's it's going to be really exciting and obviously at this point we are within a month there is you know t minus one month left to go uh before we we finally um have overwatch 2 in in our hands on our consoles on our pcs uh playable in the wild and everything so really exciting stuff um definitely fantastic to see them sort of preparing for this obviously the the uh you know uh, loot boxes going away finally is also another great thing that we're all looking forward to i think um i'm excited to see what this in-game store looks like and how easy it is to use navigate um you know what kind of random mechanics there are behind it i'm sure knowing many of the other um Activision Blizzard games, I'm sure we all have a pretty good idea of what the store will be like and how it'll function and things like that uh, with skins available, cycling in and out and limited time only and that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, only time will tell. So 
And there you have it. That actually is going to conclude the news segment of our show. That's right. It's a pretty quiet week on that side of things because, of course, we are now preparing to move on into the summer showdown. But before we really talk too much about that, let's take a look at what the games this past week looked like. And, of course, then we'll dive into the summer showdown preview. This is happening. All right. So first things first. Back on Friday, September 2nd, the Guangzhou Charge took on the Chengdu Hunters and beat them in a 3-0 match. Then on Friday, the Shanghai Dragons 3-0'd the Los Angeles Valiant. And of course, we then moved on over to the Western region for yet another 3-0 with the Los Angeles Gladiators getting a win over the Atlanta Reign. Now, this was an exciting match, um, obviously because both teams have been struggling, uh, because the Los Angeles Gladiators have not been looking as dominant nearly at all as they had uh, in the previous tournament cycles and the previous metas. Um, but on the same side of that coin was the Atlanta Reign, who had also been struggling, who had lost a few games to a few teams that they you know, maybe shouldn't have lost against or maybe they wouldn't have lost against in another meta. Um, but in this match, the Los Angeles Gladiators showed us why they are the champions that they are and why they have been doing as well as they have this past season. They managed to adapt, they managed to overcome, and they managed to get a win off of the Atlanta Reign. They actually managed to take that win in a 3-0 fashion. And of course, this match, uh, this entire weekend's matches had some pretty significant uh, implications, okay? So pretty well every match that happened meant another team was either one step closer to being on the outside of qualifying for the Summer Showdown Tournament, or it meant another team was, in fact, qualified for the Summer Showdown Tournament. And in some cases, it meant the seeding for the Summer Showdown Tournament was going to shift. So, of course, going into this weekend, we had the San Francisco Shock in first, we had the Dallas Fuel in second, and the Toronto Defiant in third. All of those teams would obviously get to pick their opponent in the first round of the Summer Showdown Tournament. So with Shock in first, they would get first pick. Dallas in second, they get second pick. And Toronto in third, they would get third pick. The fourth place team doesn't get to pick. Uh, they get stuck with whoever's left. However, those four teams after that are the ones that they are picking from. So all of the uh, games this past weekend had some pretty serious implications. Obviously, you really do want that top spot because then you get to, in theory, pick the uh, or who you perceive to be the weakest team to play against first, knock them into the loser's bracket, etc., etc. Um, so, you know, those those first two slots are pretty valuable. Third, you know, less so you're getting to pick out of the probably the two teams that those top two teams didn't want to pick out of, but you're not getting stuck with someone. Um, whereas that, that fourth spot, you obviously just get stuck with whoever's left. Um, obviously, those are all better situations to be in than the opposite four where you are getting picked. Um, but all of that said, Los Angeles Gladiators, Atlanta Reign, LA beats the Reign 3-0, meaning the LA, LA Gladiators still had a chance to make it into the tournament. Um, as you will find out, that did not happen, spoiler alert, but the Gladiators did not wind up uh, qualifying. Now, this meant that throughout the weekend, their hopes managed to stay alive and were entirely reliant on other teams winning or losing to determine if they wound up in that eighth position. Um, the other side of that is that the Gladiators getting a win here 
actually meant that the Vancouver Titans officially qualified. If they had not won, it would be reliant on the result of the New York-Paris game. Then if that won a certain way, it was reliant on uh, the Vancouver-Boston game. Then if that won a certain way, it was reliant on the uh, Toronto-London game. And then finally, it was reliant on the uh, Florida-New York game, the final game of the weekend. So anyways, it was this whole series of events, this whole domino effect where if Atlanta had beaten L.A., it meant Vancouver had to basically wait for the next match, and then the next match, and then the next match, or the next day, the next day, etc., etc. Again, we are Vancouver Titans fans on this podcast. So, all of this is to say, the Gladiators winning the first match of this past weekend meant the Vancouver Titans officially qualified for the Summer Showdown Tournament in Toronto. Which also meant we would have both Canadian teams in the Summer Showdown Tournament in Toronto obviously on Canadian soil. So we're all very happy with this win. Um, I wish I had predated the Glads to to win. And I do think that this really showed how they can uh, break down a situation, analyze things and make changes and adapt. And that kind of shows why they are a top team this season. Yes, they did not figure it out early enough in the Summer Showdown tournament cycle to obviously make it meaningful, make it have an impact. Um, And this was the only game that we saw space play. And, you know, perhaps that was the adjustment that was needed. But I digress. Um, Regardless of all that, it really did kind of demonstrate why they are a top team in a lot of ways. Now, I digress. That was the first match of the weekend. So obviously, again, this this past weekend was a pretty big weekend. There were a lot of teams in flux um, or a lot of results in flux. There were a lot of positions that still had to shift or still had the potential to shift around based on what would happen. So that was our first Western region game. Obviously, I didn't comment too much on the Eastern region games because I'm not following the Eastern region right now. Um, so let's let's continue on with the West. After that match, of course, hang on, I got to pull up my got to pull up the scores again there we go after that match we then went on to the paris eternal taking on the new york excelsior and paris of course got a map off new york but new york ultimately came out with the win 3-1 so i believe that is paris's first map win with the uh the new paris eternal um obviously you know didn't mean too much for them uh paris is going to have a struggle bus of a season for the rest of the season but good for them glad they could find some success make some improvement against new york after that, we saw the Dallas Fuel take on the San Francisco Shock in a what was a very exciting match. And ultimately, I'm very happy, very happy that the Dallas Fuel managed to end the San Francisco Shock's reign of terror. Of course, uh, on last week's episode, we reported on the fact that the San Francisco Shock had officially uh, sundered the Vancouver Titans' previous uh, win streak record of 19 games by getting their 20th win. Uh, so the week prior to that, they tied the streak, then they beat the streak. And now this week, not one match later, they lost. And the San Francisco show, they're not going to have a perfect season. Um, and of course, the Dallas Fuel putting an end to their newly formed Uh, longest win streak so Dallas took the win 3-1 actually in a pretty dominant win Um, and I do think that this really kind of solidified Dallas as the best team in this meta Uh, where previously the San Francisco Shock had looked uh, you know dominant but largely dominant based on sheer sheer um, individual performance skill which I think has kind of been their story this whole season um they are now they now show that you know perhaps perhaps there is another top dog in this meta and i think that's uh in no small part on the back of a 
a tank player like Hanbin. I think Hanbin on the Dallas Fuel has really uh, turned things around for them this this tournament cycle. And of course, at the beginning of this tournament cycle, I said I was done with the Dallas Fuel, and then they then they get a perfect tournament and they or a perfect uh, whatever you want to call it quali- qualifying matches season session tournament whatever uh where they go six and oh so i digress putting an end to the san francisco shocks uh newly formed win streak after that we move back to the east for our saturday matches where the hangzhou spark took on the guangzhou charge and the charge coming out with the win making it three to one and of course officially blowing out all of my crystal ball picks uh, because I picked Seoul and Hangzhou to make it, and although Seoul did uh, and already had at this point, uh, Hangzhou did not. And then, of course, uh, Gladiators still, because of their win, clinging to me, uh, clinging on in my heart, and making me wonder if they would, in fact, make it into the tournament cycle, making my Western region crystal ball picks at least accurate. But we'll see how that panned out. After that, still in the East, the Chengdu Hunters lost to the Los Angeles Valiant in a 3-2 loss. The Philadelphia Fusion lost to the Seoul Dynasty in a 3-2 match. Then we move on over to the West, where the Florida Mayhem 3-0 the Paris Eternal. The Houston Outlaws 3-0 the Washington Justice in what was a pretty surprising match. Um, I think the Washington Justice had looked a lot stronger than this, but ultimately... Um, the Houston Outlaws had looked like they'd been turning things around, and Houston looked clean this weekend. I thought they did a great job of, uh, of really taking control of that match, obviously 3-0. Then, of course, the final match of Saturday was the Boston Uprising reverse sweeping the Vancouver Titans. Now, I do actually want to double check and make sure that was a reverse sweep. I don't quite remember. Uh, Vancouver, uh, it was in fact a reverse sweep. All aboard the struggle bus this uh, this this weekend um they took the first map lijang tower 2-1 they took midtown 1-0 and then boston comes back and gets dorado 2-1 gets coliseo 1-0 and then nepal we go the full distance and boston gets it 2-1 absolutely crazy vancouver looked really good in the first two maps um not necessarily dominant but they looked better and then in the final three maps there it looked like they just fell apart um i personally thought that uh it seemed like king was on uh for the first two maps and then just off for the the last few there um looked like he was really struggling looked like just for whatever reason they were having some pretty major issues communicating and working as a team some thrown ults some missed uh, missed opportunities and and fumbles there and boston ultimately comes out with the win uh in a surprising win that's for sure moving on from there we head on over back to the eastern region for our sunday matches where the philadelphia fusion 3-1 the hangzhou spark and again hangzhou now definitely out of the tournament if they weren't already um so you know again making me cry a little that's for sure because my my crystal balls uh, my crystal balls my crystal ball picks are now completely busted um with philadelphia qualifying and not uh, uh not hangzhou um then of course the shanghai dragons 3-0 the seoul dynasty throwing everything i know about seoul into question as well then we move to the west for our final matches in the west uh in the summer showdown qualifiers where of course first we have the toronto defiant taking on the london spitfire in what should have been a dominant win for the toronto defiant but wound up being a a a piddly little match where the london spitfire rolled over toronto uh toronto gets the first map 2-0 looking great 
then the London Spitfire make it happen on Hollywood going five and four. They make it happen on Circuit Royale going three and two. And then finally, New Queen Street, they take it one zero. Um, just overall, honestly, an embarrassing weekend for the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. Um, I was pretty disappointed. Um, I did kind of, you know, maybe it's just me rationalizing their loss, but I did kind of get the feeling that they were just pumping, not pumping the brakes, but they just weren't, you know, pedal to the metal, full speed ahead. Um, they were just kind of, you know what, we've already qualified. We know we're safe. Um, let's not let's not hurt ourselves here. Uh, whereas I really would have liked to, that both of those teams to come out uh, swing in, really go into the tournament uh, with with some steam, but ultimately they both take the L this past weekend. Then our final match of the weekend, Florida Mayhem 3-0, the New York Excelsior. Not too much to say there. That was the expected result in my mind, but with Florida getting those two wins, that actually put them, of course, in the eighth and final position uh, in the Summer Showdown qualifiers, meaning the Los Angeles Gladiators are on the outside of things in ninth position, and of course, my crystal balls are officially kaput. So there you have it. That was this past weekend's games, uh, past weekend's matches and their results. But now, of course, we can take a look at our tournament because this leads us to our seeding for the tournament. So then we went into the post show uh, of all the matches where the teams got to select their opponents uh, for the first round. And let's take a look at the East first and we will actually run through our pickums here uh, because I want to get those in and solidified before we change things up so guangzhou charge taking on the shanghai dragons in the first round we're giving that to shanghai let's see how did guangzhou do this past weekend they 3-1 the hangzhou spark they 3 owed the chengdu hunters so not looking too bad honestly i'm gonna give it to shanghai i'm gonna give them 3-1 uh although i do think shanghai could no you know what i'm gonna follow my heart 3-0 3-0 i think shanghai takes that from guangzhou easy peasy then, of course, the Seoul Dynasty take on the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, this is all on Friday, September 9th, I should mention. And let's see. Let's see. Seoul already beat Philly once, just in this past weekend, in fact, 3 2. Uh, Philly beat Hangzhou 3 1. Hmm. Let's see what the previous weekend looked like before that. So, before that, we saw the Seoul Dynasty 3 0, the Valiant, uh, 3 0, the Guangzhou Charge. We saw the Shanghai Dragons 3-1, the Philadelphia Fusion, and the Guangzhou Charge 3-2, the Philadelphia Fusion. Hmm. Very interesting. I know not much about this region. I'm going to say Seoul takes it. I'm going to say they take it 3-2, just just because. Then, of course, we would drop down to the loser's bracket where Philadelphia Fusion takes on the Guangzhou Charge. I'm going to give it to Guangzhou just because. I'm going to say they get it. I'm going to make it a 3-2 uh, limb round match. Then, of course, the Shanghai Dragons take on the Seoul Dynasty. I'm giving it to Shanghai. I'm going to say Seoul puts up a fight and manages to get one map off, knocking them to the loser's bracket where the Seoul Dynasty take on the Guangzhou Charge. I think Seoul's going to have Guangzhou figured out, and they're going to take it 3-0. Then, of course, that means we have a Shanghai Dragons and Seoul Dynasty finale, which is actually what I had predicted the um, uh, the Midseason Madness tournament would be, oddly enough. Um, but then the real question is, who comes out on top? Because obviously I know this past weekend we did see the Shanghai Dragons and the Seoul Dynasty fight. And we did see the Shanghai Dragons come out on top 3-0. I wish I had watched that game. Um, Seoul beating Philly. Philly beating Hangzhou. Hmm. I think the Dragons are looking pretty clean right now. I think I'm going to hand it to the Dragons. It's first to four, so I'm going to give a map 
Do I give one? Do I give two? I'm going to give one map to Seoul. I'm going to say Shanghai takes it for one. Let's save those predictions. Oh, I can't save until I fill up both regions. Okay, so let's jump on over to the Western region next. Now, in the West, we start things off on Thursday, September 8th at 12 p.m. Is that mountain time? Uh, is that mountain or is that uh, the other time? That is mountain time. Perfect. Okay. Washington Justice take on the Dallas Fuel at 12 p.m. Mountain Time. The Dallas Fuel are going to take that, and I think they're going to take it 3-0. I think Washington had a, a pretty bad weekend this past weekend, um, and I think Dallas is going to roll over them. Then the Toronto Defiant have a rematch with the London Spitfire. Now, I would be crazy not to predict the Toronto Defiant in this match because I think uh, they are going to have a fire under their butts, and they damn well better get a win in this tournament. Holy cow. Um, Toronto Defiant. I think Toronto and Washington are maybe the only teams, maybe Florida. Anyways, I know for a fact Toronto is one of the few teams that has made it into each tournament cycle but lost every one of their matches. Um, I don't think they have a single win in either the kickoff clash or the midseason madness, and I would hate to see that happen again. So I'm giving it to Toronto. I'm going to say London puts up a, a, a fight. I'm giving it to Toronto 3-1. I don't think London I don't think London gets more than a map off them. I think Toronto is ready to fight. I think Toronto is going to bring it. It's in their hometown. They've got home crowd advantage. They're going to have that noise, that crowd pump, that blood pumping through their veins. I'm giving it to them 3-1. Now that of course means that our Thursday uh, oh, we still have Thursday winners round matches. Sorry. So then the San Francisco Shock are going to take on the Vancouver Titans. I think they're going to win it 3. Uh, does Shock show up? I think Shock is going to have something to prove given their loss against Dallas um, and their win streak coming to an end. I'm giving it to the Shock 3-0. And I think uh, I think that Vancouver is, is going to put up an okay fight. But I think the Shock are just going to come out swinging and be ready for a fight. So I'm giving it to the Shock 3-0. Then, of course, the Houston Outlaws take on the Florida Mayhem. Um, I'm going to give Mayhem the pity point because I do like Mayhem as a general rule. I'm, I'm a fan of the Florida Mayhem. But I think Houston is looking much improved. And I think Houston could definitely uh, get a win over Mayhem. So I think it's going to be 3-1 for the Mayhem. Then we're going to move on up. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Then on Friday, we are going to have our first winner's round match at 12 p.m. That's going to be the Dallas Fuel taking on the Toronto Defiant. Now, I do think the Dallas Fuel can beat Toronto. Um, I'm going to give Toronto one map there. I think it's going to be 3-1. Uh, I think Dallas is just looking so incredibly clean at this uh, at this meta that I think they are going to take the win. Over on the other side of the winner's round, we're going to have the Houston Outlaws taking on the San Francisco Shock. Now, as much as I think this, as much as this could easily go the wrong way, I'm going to give this to Houston. I think this is Houston's match to lose. Um, I think the shock, although like I said, they're going to come out swinging. I think it's going to be a 3-2 for Houston. Overall, I just think the improvement we saw from the Houston Outlaws uh, really shows that they are here to play. It shows that they've uh, you know figured out how they want to play the meta, and it shows that they can perform at a very high level uh, in this summer showdown tournament. So I'm going to give it to Houston 3-2. Now, I, I, I know that's a bit of a controversial pick, but that's what I'm feeling right now.
Then, of course, we drop down to the loser's bracket, where the Washington Justice will take on the London Spitfire. I think Washington can bring it in that match. I'm going to give it to them 3-1. That one I could see going either way. Uh, You know, given the London Spitfire's performance this past weekend, given Washington Justice's performance this past weekend, Washington kind of still has those off days um, where I think we had come to expect them to perform at a higher level, especially given how well they did shortly after they had all those internal changes, uh, with players like Mag leaving, um, well, not leaving, but being, being traded away, um, as well as, uh, Happy and Vigilante, I believe it was. Um, so anyways, I think Washington came out swinging after that and then has kind of let off the gas a little bit since. Um, but ultimately I think Washington is the better team in this meta and you know what? I think if Washington shows up, they will win it. But who's more likely to show up? I'm giving it to the London Spitfire. I'm going to call it a 3-2 three, three for the London Spitfire. I think London is going to show up to play. I'm not giving London enough credit. Um, I think they've had an, a stellar season so far, especially given what they've had to work with. Um, I think their their head coach, Christopher, is is in the running for, for coach of the year, um, given what, again, given what he's been working with um, and the budget he's had and everything like that. So I'm giving it to London. I'm going to put some faith in London here. I haven't done that at all this season yet. I think I usually predict against them. I'm predicting against them in the, in the first round there. So I'm giving it to London 3-2. Then, of course, we see the Vancouver Titans take on the Florida Mayhem. Um, although I think Florida will get at least a map, I think Vancouver um, is the better team at this meta. I think they've proven that to us. And I'm I'm going to give it to them 3-1. So, after that, we move on to our Saturday matches. First things first, we have the winner's round 3 Saturday match at 3 p.m. September 10th. That's not actually the first match of the day. That's going to be the final match of the day. But it's going to be the Dallas Fuel against the Houston Outlaws in my mind, which is, of course, a battle of Texas. Uh, Always an exciting match. Ultimately, again, Dallas is the kings of this meta. I'm giving it to them 3-1. I think Houston, again, although they're going to have some some fight in them, although I think they've seen some massive improvement in this meta, I just don't think they can take uh, more than a map off the kings. Moving on from there, we go down to the Elim round where we have, and this is actually this actually would be the first match of the day, of course. We see the London Spitfire taking on the San Francisco Shock. I do think San Francisco comes out with the win there. Um, I'll give a map to London and say it goes 3-1. Then, of course, at 1.30 p.m. on Saturday, we would have a battle for Canada in Canada on Canadian soil against the two Canadian teams with the Toronto Defiant taking on the Vancouver Titans. Of course, a rematch of the previous Battle of Canada uh, that we saw at the start of the Summer Showdown qualifiers. So this match would be a banger of a match. I'm giving it to Toronto. I'm giving it to them 3-2. I think Vancouver shows up. I think Toronto shows up. I think Toronto gets the home crowd advantage. And ultimately, I don't I don't want to see the embarrassment of an upset um, on the Van, on, on the Toronto Defiant side in, you know, in their home crowd and everything. Um, already having one win, one loss. I want to see Toronto get more than one win in this tournament. I want to see them go deep. Uh, you know, again, it's their home crowd. I just want to see them perform well. So I'm giving it to Toronto 3-2. Now that's a lot of hopium, but still I'm doing it. Moving on from there, we then would have our final elimination round match of the Saturday, which would be the San Francisco Shock against the Toronto Defiant. Now, ultimately, I got to throw caution in the wind here. 
I'm giving it to the Toronto Defiant against all better judgment. I'm giving them the home crowd advantage. I'm saying they come out on top 3-2. It's going to be a hard match. It's going to be a well-fought match. It's going to leave them all exhausted and 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 disgruntled. And and there's going to be names calling and 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 uh, sticks thrown and stones thrown. But I'm giving it to the Toronto Defiant 3-2. It's going to be a battle of the ages, that's for sure. Then, finally, we move on to our Sunday matches. Sunday, 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 where we see the Toronto Defiant take on the Houston Outlaws. Of course, in my bracket, the Houston Outlaws have already beat the Florida Mayhem and the San Francisco Shock, knocking San Francisco down to the loser's bracket. They then lose to the Dallas Fuel and find themselves in the loser's bracket to face the Toronto Defiant, who've now made a run through the loser's bracket, of course, uh, after getting a win in that first round. So Toronto, in my mind, beats the London Spitfire, loses to the Dallas Fuel, beats the Vancouver Titans, beats the San Francisco Shock, and then takes on the Houston Outlaws, where I think they can win it. I think Houston, at this point, I'm saying it. They've run out of steam. I'm crafting a whole narrative in my head. They performed well. They performed valiantly against the Dallas Fuel. But at this point, it's all come to a close. They've run run out of steam, but the Toronto Defiant train rolls on through Toronto, through Mattamy Square in Toronto, in Canada, on Canadian soil, and the Toronto Defiant are going to the final of their own homestand. And that, of course, means we have a rematch of the winner's round two where the Dallas Fuel took on the Toronto Defiant. And you know what? Given I pushed the Toronto Defiant all the way through to the final, given that this is the rematch of the century, I can do nothing but give it to the Toronto Defiant. I'm giving it to Toronto. They're taking it 4-3. It's going all the way. None none of this 4-2 match uh, uh, BS that we've seen in the other tournament cycles. None of this one team is the clear winner. I think it's going the distance. I think Toronto gets... Hmm. If if I'm putting all my chips on the table, I think Toronto gets two maps. Then they go down, and Dallas gets three. They're on match point. They bring it back to three. It's even 3-3. And then Toronto Defiant come out with the win. Man, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be, if if that happens, whoo, baby, I will be some kind of mind reader. That could be something else. That's for sure. Let me, let me lock in those predictions because that is exciting stuff right there. Yeah, I've got the Shanghai Dragons beating the Seoul Dynasty 4-1. And then I've got the, let's double check, Toronto Defiant beating the Dallas Fuel 4-3 to take it all, to take all the chips home. So there you have it. That's my preview of the Summer Showdown tournament. I think, in in my mind, if I'm being realistic, if I'm looking at the standings right now, we've got Dallas in first, we've got San Francisco Shock in second, we've got the Houston Outlaws in third, and the Toronto Defiant in third. I think that the Toronto Defiant and the Houston Outlaws, if both of those teams show up, we have a really, really solid tournament. Um, if one of those teams doesn't show up, we're still going to have three top dogs that perform really well and make this really exciting. The Dallas Fuel and the San Francisco Shock will show up, no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind um, about that. The Toronto Defiant and the Houston Outlaws are a little flakier. I think Houston's figured their stuff out, and I think because of that, they're going to show up. I think the Toronto Defiant needs to perform well because this is their homestand. This is their chance to prove that they deserve to be a top five team in the Overwatch League right now overall. Um and of course, this counts for points into the regular season, which will increase their seeding um, in the ultimate uh, countdown cup and everything like that. I think Toronto's got a got something to prove because this is on home home soil. I think both Canadian teams have, you know, 
made it to uh, to the summer showdown by the seat of their pants, or at least one of them by the seat of their pants. Um, and ultimately, I'm just excited for this this to be a gigabanger of a tournament. There, you know, there was there's a lot of uh, scuttlebutt around this tournament, given given all the hoopla around the Jotes meta and everything like that. But ultimately. I'm really excited. I think this has been a banger of a tournament cycle. I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. And I'm really excited to see these finals. So there you go. Now, that, of course, is actually going to take us to the end of the end of the show. Obviously, a bit of a shorter episode, but let's head on over and we'll close this thing out. Error. Profanity filter enabled. All right. And there you have it. That is your one-man watch point preview of the summer showdown tournament i'm going to title this episode overwatch comes to canada because this is a really exciting time if you are a listener of the show if you are a fan of the toronto defiant if you're a fan of the vancouver titans if you're a fan of canadian esports in general this is a big deal we know that toronto and the overactive uh, media organization has been pushing 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 uh this year in particular to really make esports a thing in canada especially over in Toronto. Um, obviously, Toronto is kind of a mecca. Um, but this is a huge deal. Uh, I, I really don't want to undersell how big of a deal this is because, um, you know, us Canadians up here do often get forgotten about and, and kind of pale in comparison to the greater United States beneath us, uh, to our south. So I'm really excited for this. I would have really loved to go to this tournament. Obviously, it just wasn't in the cards. Um, but overall, I think we've got big things coming. Um, the overactive media guys, they definitely, guys and gals and people over there, definitely know what they're doing. I think they're ready to put on a show. They're ready to put on a party. They're ready for everyone to have a good time. And I'm really excited for a lot of people who have never been to Canada to come to see, uh, you know, one of the greatest countries in the world. Um, I'm very proud to be Canadian and I think everyone that is Canadian should be, um, obviously we're not without our faults, but, I think this is going to be a great time. I'm really excited to hear people's thoughts, to see, you know, pictures of it, to see what it was really like. I'm going to have some serious FOMO um, seeing a lot of people there. But all of that said, I also really, 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 if you listen to this show, if you are one of the, I don't know, 10 listeners that listen to this show, I, I don't actually know how many listeners I have at all. It could be could be one. Um, it, it's probably just me hitting play on my own podcast and, and just hitting, cranking it up to three times speed and just letting it burn through. I digress. If you are listening to this show, if you are one of my very few fans, if you call yourself a fan, maybe you just put it on as background noise, maybe you fall asleep to it. I digress. If you listen to this show, the biggest thing I could tell you right now to do to support One Man Watchpoint, to support my own show, is go listen to the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's Ready, Set, P-W-N. Go listen to it this week as we will talk about our plans for the Summer Showdown Tournament. We have some things cooking that are going to be very, very exciting. It's going to happen fast. It's going to happen, uh, uh, I don't know, quickly. <laughs> I know that's another word for fast. It's going to happen very fast, um, and it's going to be really awesome to be a part of. So I highly, highly encourage you, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast because we're going to announce some stuff that we're doing with the Summer Showdown, with the Toronto Defiant organization, with the Overwatch League, um, and I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a really busy time. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I really want this to get Ready, Set, Pwn, and of course, myself, One Man Watchpoint, Sir Dr. JM, at Sir DRJM on Twitter. 
I really want to get some light shed on us. I really want to blow up Canadian esports, um, especially the Overwatch League, because I think Overwatch is one of the greatest games out there, um, and especially uh, one of the greatest competitive games on the market right now. And I really, really, really want to celebrate Canadian esports, everything Canada has to offer on the esports side of things. And I really want to grow this uh, industry in Canada. Um, there's there's a future in esports here in Canada, and I want everyone to see it. So with all that said, thank you so much for listening to One Man Watchpoint. If you've made it this far, again, the biggest thing you can do to support me, obviously, share the good word of One Man Watchpoint. Tell your friends, you know, all that jazz. But check out Ready, Set, Pwn this week. I know it's not my podcast. It's not just me. It is my hosts, Chris and Alex. I am the third chair. Uh, they had been running the podcast for a number of years, uh, at least... I think two entire Overwatch League seasons without me. They had another uh, person on the show with them. Um, he left and then they brought me on after a period of just the two of them. But I digress. Um, check out Ready, Set, Pwn so that you can hear about all the exciting stuff coming uh, with regards to the Summer Showdown and everything going on in Toronto. I'm really excited for it. I think they're really excited for it. And ultimately, we're going to be bringing you some really solid content uh, over the next week, uh, including the weekend and everything uh, with the Summer Showdown. So thanks again for listening. Thanks very much. Check me out on uh, on Twitter at SirDRJM. And of course, thank you so much for listening to One Man Watchpoint. No hard feelings. <laughs>